0: Hey everybody. Welcome back to Atlanta. We are in downtown Atlanta, fresh off of a visit to Mercedes-Benz Stadiums. We have a Roosters report. We have insight from the Ohio State defensive players and 15 minutes of super exciting practice mm, with the Buckeyes. Sweet, sweet
1: visuals. Three special teams periods. I'm sure that's the normal schedule. Yeah, the Buckeyes uh, generally start every practice with special teams, uh, and this one was no different. And uh, now we're going to kick it over to Austin with weather. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, so we've, again... Tried
0: to make the best of a new and different set from yesterday. Mm-hmm. I took this out of the main press conference room so that we could really spice it up. I didn't want to
1: use the same pillow. I think what's shocking, because this event is being put on by the city of Atlanta, and there, there's signage all over like downtown, <laughs> but not in the actual hotel where everything is taking place. So um, we're just doing the best we can. It's a beautiful sign. We're going to stuff that in the car and take it home. Um, That's why we drove. And they can't really tell us no because we're the media. and We can do whatever we want. But, no, um, uh, we can stop fiddling now and, and dive in, right? The, first, the biggest, the most important thing of the day, obviously, for Ohio State um, was not the hour of press conference conversation we had with the defense. It's that Myron Williams was not at practice for the Buckeyes. Um, missed his appearance in the press conference on Tuesday, and we were told at the time he had, was a little bit under the weather and wasn't feeling well. Um, I guess today would be confirmation that uh, he's still not feeling well. Uh, yep, I was told the same thing. I
0: asked about that. Uh, what's what's going on there? Still under the weather. Ronnie Hickman had also uh, been dealing with a little bit of illness, but uh, he was on the practice field. He he didn't. He was supposed to appear with the media on Wednesday morning. Did not, but he was participating in practice. mind Williams appeared to be the only absence for the Buckeyes. Uh, we did see him. Berman and I uh, saw him. Spoke with him on Monday night. Yeah. He was down here with the, He's down here with the Buckeyes. Everybody is saying that the ankle is fine. Um, you know, how, how quickly does he feel like himself coming out of, uh, you know, whatever bug he's got? Um, I know people asked on OhioState.Rivals.com on the boards like, is this a concern that it goes through the entire team? Uh, I did ask about that. Nobody else is reporting, you know, any symptoms like that for Ohio State at this point. Um, but Mayan Williams. Did not participate in what, practice like, today. So crappy luck. Ryan Williams
1: has. I mean, if you think back to the 2020 playoff, uh, he is expected to be sort of, you know, or the 2019 playoff, he he plays against Clemson, has kind of pops onto the scene. 2020 gets COVID for the national championship game, like, and then it just it's bad luck. Hopefully, uh, but again. We're not being. We're not hearing like it's doesn't mean that he's not going right. to be ready by Saturday. Right. it's still Wednesday. It's not ideal to miss Tuesday, Wednesday practice if that's we can assume he missed yesterday, um, based on the fact that he wasn't there today and he missed on, on yesterday morning's you know availability. So that's not great for a guy coming off of a month long uh, ankle injury. But as far as just the way that he was moving on Monday, like there was no issues. Everyone said he's fine with with the foot. So. That's sort of the news du jour, I guess, like the, the big picture.
0: Yeah, so we expect that wins will still be, you know, able to go in some capacity by Saturday. If not, what we saw from three periods uh, of open practice was Dallin Hayden leading the line for the running backs. That's maybe reading too much into it. Maybe it's notable. Who knows? Um, uh, sometimes it is. Yeah. You know, Chip Traynham was taking the second. Like, they weren't live reps. They were just going through the line. They're, those aren't generally decided haphazardly or, or in random mm-hmm. fashion. Um, I'm I'm sure that some people are excited by that possibility because many wondered why Down Hayden barely touched the football against Michigan last month. So uh, we'll see how that transpires. Yeah. Mayan Williams, I find it highly unlikely that he would – miss
1: any part of playing on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be out there, but it's pretty much what we said on Tuesday on on the Roosters report, which is it's likely to be running back by committee anyhow uh, heading into this game because Mayan is going to be probably needing a a little bit of a recharge after not playing in the last month and not really doing much. And and then you got Chip, who is obviously – the team seems to be excited about him playing there, and – He's, he did a nice job against Michigan, but Dallin has earned that opportunity as well. So I'd expect that all three of them will play anyway. I, I do think it's interesting that Chip was behind Dallin in the line today because Chip's the guy we got yesterday instead of, I don't know, <laughs> anyone else, like right. Silver or Matthew Jones or you know um, Donovan Jackson or someone else, as opposed to putting a p- player out at a position that's sort of been a, a hot-button Point. You, you are supposed to bring starters to the offensive right. media day and the defensive media day. So,
0: you know, again, we're having to read into press conference appearances and 15 minutes of open workouts um, because that's what we do. Yeah. That's why we're here to try and get as much information as we can. Probably got more insight on that on Monday night than we did mm-hmm. on Wednesday morning, but that's the way it goes as well. Matthew Jones, uh, he was a Look, full participant yeah. on Wednesday morning, heavily taped on that right ankle. Uh, I think that's notable what he had been dealing with for the rest of the season, and Kevin Wilson shed some light on this as well on Tuesday. You know That was a a foot problem. What he picked up at Maryland is an ankle issue. Uh, You could see all that tape on there for him uh, on Wednesday morning at practice, but he was going through all the drills as normal. So uh, I think from that perspective, we can stop talking about uh, the offensive line and contingency plans. Uh, Looks like everything is full, full steam ahead there for Ohio State up front and really the rest of the team present and accounted for.
1: Yeah, I mean, as we said earlier, like this is as good and as healthy as Ohio State has been since the start of the season. So you certainly are encouraged by that if you're Ohio State. But the question is going to be, you know, how does how do they rotate? How do they move things around? I expect that we'll still see Josh Fryer play on Saturday because as we've talked about with Bill um, on other shows that we've been doing in the last month, I think that you'll see Ohio State run six offensive linemen out there at, at times to, mm-hmm. try to, to try to get an advantage um, against the Georgia defensive line that's obviously big. That was sort of the question mark today was, you know, how do these guys play? We, we saw Jack Sawyer this morning. And again, because you're supposed to bring starters to this, we expect Jack will play a lot um, as he has all year. But how how does Ohio State rotate everyone else? How do they attack the Georgia offense? And that was sort of the the primary conversation today is how do you defend a team that deploys three tight ends the way they do? Um, Ohio State players were asked, like, who does Georgia remind you of? And they think (laughs) they're like uh, Penn State, I guess. Like, they don't. There isn't really a comparison because a comparison. A comp, There's a comp. There's not really a comp here because what they do is so unique when it comes to deploying the tight ends all together. I think Jack Sawyer gave the best answer
0: I've heard on that um, throughout this week because it's come up a lot. I think it's mainly the Georgia beat wants to force a comparison to Michigan yeah, because Michigan, I mean, maybe not because of it, Michigan had success, as we know, in the second half of that game. And I think that they're looking at that and saying, well, Georgia is built similarly. Maybe they'll have the same success on Saturday. But So there were two different ways of attacking that The Jack Sawyer, I think. Uh, addressed directly one they don't really think that georgia is like michigan Yeah. and part of that is because they think georgia is much better than michigan and another part of that is that they feel like they were really successful especially in the first half defensively again set aside the explosives i know i know you shouldn't you don't right. want to you don't want to discount it It happen and then they don't really view that fourth quarter as anything more than a bit of an aberration where the game you know Again, it was an explosive. It, they they look at the rest of it, the toughness they showed, the ability to shut down the run in the first half, and say they think that they felt they felt pretty good about what they were doing defensively. They were not pushed around, they were not bullied, uh, and they let you know one tackle slip away and one uh, eye control, as Lathan Ransom said when it was talking about the deep shots there. Uh, you know th- those happened, but in terms of matching up personnel and going toe to toe against Georgia, they're not intimidated by that, and they don't necessarily see it as a like for like comp Arison yeah with Michigan
1: well, especially because if you're talking about the running game in general Georgia has good running backs and Kendall Milton is a good running back Kenny McIntosh is good they don't have the explosion that Donovan Edwards has and the ability to really go 75 in the blink of an eye so in that area I'd actually give the advantage to Michigan I think Georgia and this is what they were talking about today is the Georgia offensive line probably a little bit more athletic than Michigan's, Um, not maybe as like cohesive, don't always play. Michigan does a great job up front and is able to kind of work as one unit where Georgia is actually rotating tackles at times to try to keep guys um, in the program more so than keeping (laughs) them fresh because they want they want all these guys to play. They've done a great job, um, you know, recruiting these positions. So they want to make sure these guys don't transfer. But there is a a different level of, uh, I think, preparation that you have to get to because Georgia is weird in the way that they attack defenses. It's not. It's a little bit of Stetson Bennett scrambling around like a crazy person. It's a little bit of of the passing game to the running backs. Uh, It's a little bit of throwing the ball to the tight end or or to the wide receivers and then a lot of bit of moving Brock Bowers around and finding ways to deploy him. Ohio State had, I think, um, Zach Herbstreet on the scout team is Brock Bowers from what we could tell at practice wearing the number 19 in red. Um, I don't know that that's an apt comparison, <laughs> but I also understand. I, I often wonder, like, how do they decide who, like, let's say you're Ohio State, right? Hypothetically. Okay. You have a guy like Sam Hart mm-hmm. on your team, right? Okay. Who's the fifth tight end. Who's six foot five, two 230 pounds. Wouldn't it make more sense to have him being Brock Bowers in the scout team than Zach Herbstreet? Like I guess sam I guess Sam Hart's a big part of the plan this week. I mean, I just I'm confused by like at what point in the in the full roster do you be like, okay, this guy sorry, this week you've got to be scouting. <laughs> because I, I would think that, that would you'd get a much better appreciation if you're putting someone like Sam Hart out there. Well, <laughs> like on defense, He's also not Brock Bowers, so Right, but he's the same size, he's athletic. I think that it's a better comp but on defense. You had Kenyatta Jackson and Omari Abor, who was great to see him out there, like actually practicing. Yeah. There was some concern back in September he was going to be out for the year, and, and he's back practicing. Um, and and Hero Canoe, all those guys were out there on the scout team. So at least on the defensive line, offensive line, you're getting uh, somewhat high level uh, talents that you're yeah. going against. I just, I'm. It's not a knock on Zach Kerstert. I just, I'm just trying to figure out like why not take Sam Hart or Bennett Christian. Like Bennett Christian's six foot six and two hundred and seventy two hundred and fifty five pounds. Why don't you make those two into Bowers and Washington and the Scout team? You learned a lot more than I did apparently from the open viewing period. That's you didn't see that? things? Well I did, but like I didn't think about it in terms yeah. of it being a issue. That's not an issue. I just think yeah. that like if you're playing if you're if if you're playing to win the game, yeah. why would you not try to get as like to like as possible? Yeah. Well I think that's really the point. Like Bowers and Darnell Washington are they're mutants, I get it. Yeah. But yeah. I, I
0: understand your uh, your point in the tangent. Why not have Devin Brown back out there as Seth's impending? Well, you never know. I just help me out. Come on, America, help him out. That's all me. I'm asking for. Uh, what did you uh, make of the Jim Knowles press conference on Wednesday morning?
1: I thought that it was I thought it was pretty entertaining. The Jim Knowles it was, always is he's always great to listen to. I thought that You know one of the things that's going to be taken away is he was asked pretty succinctly like did you think that the five plays against michigan were the difference in the game and he said yes like i'm not sure what answer you expect to get there but also like what you could see there was a visible irritation um from the ohio state contingent here today that they are sick and tired of hearing about michigan yeah there like they're trying to play georgia and i can't count the number of times that that say i heard guys today say the focus is on georgia we're focusing only on georgia somebody asked him if they're going to be paying attention to the um tcu michigan game (laughs) and like no like we're going to be getting ready to play a game five hours later like we're not like it's just a weird obsession And and it it's almost like people refuse to let it go. I get it, like it sucks, and they, they lost the game that mattered, and you can tell it eats at them, but like they're they're here, and Jack Sawyer said it repeatedly today, they're here and they deserve to be here. And the vibe that you can get from talking to these kids, just a moment, you know, away once they step off the stage, was they know that nobody thinks they belong here. And that is interesting to me for a team that, for 12 weeks of the season, was the clear-cut second-best team in the country, and well, clear-cut top two. Right? I don't, maybe not, maybe even one. Yeah, right. I mean, and now all of a sudden, people think that the program is is falling apart. And you know, they somebody asked um, Jack and and Tommy and um, Lathan about what the vibe is in like in Columbus, like how, yeah. how they're feeling. There's a real
0: it. clown down here, um, covering the other team. Yeah, and the way he put it was. Do you uh, feel like you need to get your swagger back? Did you lose it? Like they lost a game?
1: Yeah, it's it's so bizarre. The and players
0: do not feel like the program has collapsed. Yeah. Steele Chambers yeah. got that question from this person and was like, "I don't know what you're talking yeah. about."
1: Like, well, that person probably didn't realize who they were asking that question to because Steele is not someone to entertain <laughs> uh, folly. But it was weird. It was interesting to hear them basically say they have been forced in the last four weeks to. Almost turn off their fans and turn away from the fan base because the fan base has been so overwhelmingly negative that I think that you can tell that there is a sense of, like, if Ohio State somehow wins this game and wins the national championship, which they certainly can, like, I almost get the sense that they it's done Spite it with a biting their thumb at the fan base because it's been so bad Bite my thumb at you so yeah i mean it's that's an old expression folks look it up uh so back to jim Knowles.
0: my question about that was not replay what happened against michigan right. which calls did you want back it was forward looking and i had this i wrote about it last week at ohio com, and like i feel strongly like there's people. How does he have to do a different? Can he not blitz as much? Can you not go cover zero? Uh, did he get burned and you have to pull back? Like he's been doing this for such a long time, and, and I wanted to know how you manage that mentally as a coach. Like it's experience. You cannot just abandon the philosophy right. that you were hired to install. That you have made your identity as a play caller. Um, you know you can't change the complete scheme in a month that you've been. Everyone was asking for updates all season long. How, what's the percentage? Yeah. How much you got in? Like, you can't, you can't scrap all that. You could say maybe there's been conversation about picking the spots and when to do this and when to do that, and, and that's fine. But, you know, he, he bristled at any notion. Like, he didn't, I didn't ask it, and it didn't have to be said. It's like, we're not going to run a bend but don't break defense yeah. here. Like, it's about stop rate. It's about trying to create turnovers, create chaos, uh, you know, generate pressure. And you're not going to be able to do that if you just sit
1: back and get rid of everything else that has made his scheme great. But he also did say that they've had the time in the last month to install some new stuff. So we will probably see some wrinkles we haven't seen all year, but not like anyone's going to tell us what they are. But, (laughs) you know, they do see, I think, a need to freshen it up a little bit and and throw out some different looks uh, at Georgia. And and to do that, you're going to have to use your most athletic players and and find ways to get – matchups that are favorable you know how do you defend a guy like brock bowers when no one has done it in his two years of college football so you're gonna have to come up with something different and i'm excited to see what that is but you know i thought the best part of today was um tommy Eichenberg being forced to talk for 40 minutes he's get he's actually getting he's, he's getting better warmer uh, So you could tell like he I imagine in the back of his mind he's thinking this is supposed to be one of the most memorable weeks of his life, you know? <laughs> and he's being put in front of the media. He's going to have to do it three times. He's going to be the yeah. only one, I think, that has to. Yeah, well, he, he had to do it on the Zoom call on Monday. Yeah. He had to do it yesterday or today in this uh, 40-minute session. And then he has the full-team media day on Thursday that he has to be a part of. <laughs> that, so That part I is bet, hilarious. I bet people aren't going to pick him tomorrow.
0: Nobody talking. else had to do three media appearances. Yeah. The least talkative player on the team is the
1: one that got sacrificed at the media altar this week. Yeah. Well, we don't know how tomorrow's set up. Like, We don't know if it's going to be tables or if it's going to be everyone just sitting in a chair and you pick and talk uh, to who you want. We can break down what our work is going to be like tomorrow. But yeah. there are going to be tables on the outside. All the starters will
0: have one. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Tommy Eichenberg will draw a big crowd. Probably not. Um, I, I asked and got a, a look at the scars on the hand. Uh, he was in a good mood today. Yeah. I thought that was great. Uh, doesn't He doesn't think he's going to have to play with the cast anymore. He did start to talk a little bit about how that had limited him, the tackling late in the year. Uh, one was a broken bone. I think it was the left hand. It was his thumb that was broken, and then the right hand, uh, index finger. I'm like, well, you don't need those to gripping yeah. thing, do you? Right? Like that's pretty important. Seems um, like, but he, he was, it's just like Kate. Obviously, the roommates. It's easy comparison. Wasn't going to make excuses for it, but it, it did limit his ability. And he still only missed, what, like three tackles? Um, It's not like it was a significant drop-off, but it's another example, I think, and I've talked about it pretty much every day on the Roosters Report, about the value of Ohio State being healthy, getting healthier, and the time off. Like They're going to look a lot different on Saturday night than they did on November 26th. That's just a fact. I
1: think that one thing that will be obvious early in the game on Saturday is that Georgia probably does not really know how fast Ohio State is. and there's, there's always been this misconception that the Big Ten is slow or whatever. Um, you'll see Ohio State at their freshest, and, and that will make a difference, I think, on, on Saturday as far as just what they're able to do defensively. Guys like Tommy Eichenberg have a, a they are much more athletic than they get credit for being. We talk so much about Georgia's front seven and how athletic those guys are, or Malachi Starks it's at corner, uh, and what they can do. But, like, Ohio State has some pretty freaky athletes uh, as well. <laughs> I mean, I saw a statistic that if, and the four teams in the playoff, Georgia has 15 five-stars on their roster. Ohio State has 14. Um, TCU has one. and Georgia, Michigan has three. So, like, these are the two most talented teams in, in the playoff. Mm-hmm. And um, if you get both these programs at their healthiest and, and ready to go, you're going to see some, some really special football on Saturday. And the more we talk to these guys, you can tell that they're really just sort of – Eager to get going and and stop all of this stuff. They did not have to play basketball last night. There was a broken hoop, so the 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 basketball uh, competition did not occur. So Mm. for everyone that was worried about that, myself included, crisis averted. (laughs) Um, Jack Sawyer did say he was mad and didn't get a chance to show off his shooting stroke, but I guess that's the way it goes. Yeah, I bet it's not as good as it used to be. Now that he's up
0: to like two hundred and seventy pounds, probably he's probably a little stiff. A little stiff. but again maybe that would have been the challenge
1: yeah so tomorrow we we've, we've got a full team media day um where we, sure do. we will probably spend a lot of our time trying to get some knowledge and, and insight on the younger players that we haven't had a chance to talk to most of the year yep um if there's anyone specifically out there america that you feel like we need to dive into to drill down let us know in the comments on youtube and we'll do our best to to find out what uh, what's going on and get a pulse of the younger guys what else are you looking forward to um, as far as whole team media day,
0: uh,
1: it, it always sticks in my mind. And
0: we've talked about maybe what similarities exist between the 2014 run and that could happen in 2022. And to me, it was at me, the full team media day in the Superdome where I took full notice of the mentality difference between Ohio state and Alabama. And and I don't know that this will be the case. I haven't spent a lot of time around Georgia, and I still won't on Thursday. But um, when Alabama came out, they were so tight. I had to – they they reminded me of what Ohio State was like the week of the Michigan game last month. And that's when I'm like, well, I think the pressure is getting to them a little bit. And I had already picked Ohio State, but I felt like, okay, well, maybe this has a much better shot Mm -hmm. than I thought because they were so confident and they were carefree and – Loose all those things you could tell like they were ha- they were happy to be there and they felt like they knew a secret that nobody else knew yeah. yet and I'll be interested to see that's come through a little bit in the couple of days of press conferences for Ohio State so far um, but certainly when we saw them on Monday night at the College Football Hall of Fame I got that same vibe um, they have nothing to lose yeah um, they're They're not going to reveal game plans or anything like that. But when I come back to the the health of this team, again, outside of Mayan Williams working through the sickness right now, uh, you know, Ronnie Hickman again having that earlier in the week, but getting everybody back, how much they enjoy being around each other. Like, you just, like, I don't have anything
1: specific that I want to ask tomorrow, really. I just. it's it's the vibe man yeah that's what i'm again i I keep going back to this idea that nobody else believes that ohio state belongs here except for ohio state um and that goes for a lot of ohio state fans and certainly national media who are here writing stories about how (laughs) ohio state is has to you know the program's falling apart and uh, you don't have to win a national championship at ohio state it's just enough to try like it's just weird stuff that i don't know where it comes from great great take there um but I am curious to see if any Georgia players have a similar opinion. And not that they're going to say it directly. They're very well coached, and, and Kirby Smart's program is smart. They're not going to go out there and run their miles. But it it just seems like the Georgia media, and, and in a lot of times I think you can sort of translate how a team, the people covering a team act or feel is very much a byproduct of what they get from the being around the team, um, <laughs> and nobody that covers Georgia thinks Ohio State should be playing in this game or that they have any chance to win. Um, and and most of them seem to be thinking this is going to be a three touchdown win for Georgia. And uh, I, I'm interested to see if if there any of that comes across that Georgia is sort of crazy to say like looking past Ohio State and and saying that this thinking that this game is going to be a. A, a clear cut win. And I, I, just don't feel that way. I don't, I don't know why anyone, would, I don't know how we've got to the point where people just believe Ohio state is a program that doesn't have good players. <laughs> and that seems to be, well, you're not going to get that vibe from the Georgia coaching staff because no. they are very well aware of what the
0: challenge yeah. is for them. And they'll, they'll have that opportunity to talk about that. Uh, I guess they'll not just for the full team with the players on Thursday. Um, Get a couple moments to talk to some coaches that we haven't got to hear yeah. from a lot this year. Um, see uh, what we can gather. From that, we're going to do our best as we always do at state.rivals.com and on the podcast. Uh, this has been the Roosters Report as we get one day closer to New Year's Eve, uh, Peach Bowl for Ohio State and Georgia. He's Berm. I'm Austin Ward. We're going to bid this set adieu.
1: Yeah, we're going to put this in the car and go.
0: And we're going no, don't tell them that we're oh, still we're here. not taking the sign. We're definitely not doing that. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. See you, America.